0: Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy. In particular, maybe more than someone, so if the shoe fits, please put it on, tie it up, and make application to your life because I feel like this is a life and death Uh, situation uh, for you to embrace the Word of God in its entirety is important enough, but when God puts a special burden on the preacher for a specific person, that's when you really need to take it to heart. Don't just pass it by and say, oh well that's for Brother Don, he needs that tonight. don't, Don't just throw it over your shoulder, please do some inventory tonight. And uh, let's see what God will accomplish in these altars. Amen? Amen. Pray for me as I journey home tomorrow. I've not been home for quite some time. Looking forward to being back in West Plains Misery. And uh, with with my sweet wife, she sends greetings to you. And she is doing very well. And uh, thank you to those, all of you that have prayed for her. And over the last several months, God has strengthened her and helped her. Her uh, reports have come back great, so we thank God for it, and Courtney sends her greetings as well, and uh, she, she told me this afternoon, man, Dad, I wish we were there. I said, oh, I wish you were too. <laughs> you could help me drive home, yeah. So, it'll. Uh, I may need a designated driver. I'm going to try to hit, up, hit, hit the road at 5 a.m., so if you're up at that time, pray for me. Uh, Lord, to give me traveling mercies. Jonah chapter 4, verse 4. Then said the Lord, then said the Lord, dost thou well to be angry? Father, I know that you have laid this on my heart. I pray that you would penetrate the heart and minds of those that need this tonight. Whether it's here in this sanctuary or on live stream, they are Needing to hear the word of God. And I'm asking, Lord, for your anointing uh, to flow through me tonight. Please, Lord, let me, let me preach your word and, and say nothing more that needs to be said other than what you've laid on my heart. I pray it in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. amen. Thank you. You may be seated. These four chapters in the book of Jonah describe to us a prophet, a man of God. Uh, He is one who has been called of God, and yet God has had to teach this prophet some very serious lessons. Let me ask, is there anyone here tonight who has not been uh, taught by God some very serious lessons of life? I dare say the answer is no. And we're still being taught, amen? God's still working on me as the little kids sing. He's still working on me. So Jonah was commissioned by God to go to Nineveh and when we think of Jonah we often think of just the story of the whale and and uh, the first submarine ride and the vomiting of the Jonah onto dry ground etc etc right that's what we that's what we've been you know taught in Sunday school so obviously that stays with us throughout our life but there's a whole lot more to the book of Jonah in fact There's uh, two other chapters that describe what happened after the ejection from the submarine. And chapters 1 and uh, 2 deal with Jonah's disobedience. They deal with God's great mercy and the first uh, ride, if you will, in a submarine. And Jonah's deliverance. Did you say God's mercy? Did you throw that in there? Yeah, I did. Because when Jonah disobeyed, God could have... Said enough is enough. He could have wiped them off the face of the earth right then and there, but he gave them a second chance. Is there anybody here tonight that God has given a second chance? Is there anybody here tonight God's given a third and a fourth chance? Yes, sir. Amen. Thank God he's the God of the second chance. Amen. And when you think about the mercies of God, he could have said to us, That's enough. You're done. But his mercies, the Bible tells me, are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Praise God. And so Jonah uh, was given a second chance. And, and uh, let me insert this though right here. If you're playing the game of chance with God, you better get serious with the Lord. Because one of these days, those chances are going to run out. One of these days, God is going to say, enough. He said, my spirit will not always strive with mankind. There's a little bit different context there. But just suppose the rapture takes place and you're left behind, you've taken a chance and gambled away eternity. You better get out of that game. It's important and vitally important that you find the will of God And you walk in it. Because I'm here to tell you, you don't have to mess up. You don't have to fall to temptation every time it comes your way. You can live a victorious Christian life in Jesus Christ. You can live a life day by day and not sin. Amen. We are overcomers. Praise God. We have God's spirit abiding within us. And we don't have to fall to the wiles of the enemy. So get on the solid rock and let's go great guns for God. Can you say amen? Then chapter 3 describes to us the great revival in Nineveh. The people declare a great feast. They repent. Even the king repents. He said in verse 9, Who can tell if God will turn and repent? And turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. Verse 10 said, and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. That's what repentance means, you know. It means you're sorry for what you've done wrong towards God. And then you do a 180 and you go the other direction. You don't continue in your sin. That's what true repentance is. It brings change. And so uh, they repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them. God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them. And he did it not. He did not annihilate the Ninevites. He gave them a- another chance. Praise God. hundred and twenty thousand people repented. I looked up the demographics of this area. That includes the population of Lorraine, Elyria, and Avon. Can you imagine if everyone living in this vicinity got saved? What preacher in their right mind would not be absolutely just overjoyed at the fact that they preached to everyone and everyone they preached to got saved? I mean, it was a city-wide revival. There was no more crime. There was no more shootings. There was no more hatred, no more racism, nobody cutting off each other, no more horn cussing, nobody trying to cut in line at Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, there was no more school bullying, no more fornication, no more adultery, no more pornography, no more alcohol, no more drugs, no more vandalism, no more burglaries. Would anybody love to live in a city like that? Woo! It was a city-wide revival. But chapter four opens up with this scene. We read it chapter four, verse four, but verse one, it said, "But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. and he was very angry. Angry enough, he wanted to die. Take his life. Lord, take me, kill me. Don't want to live." And the Lord poses a question to Jonah in verse 4. Dost thou well to be angry? And Jonah's so angry, he doesn't even answer God initially. And then in verse 5, it says, Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. He makes a little booth to sit in, and, and, and to watch what's gonna to happen to Nineveh. He is so angry, he does not rejoice with those that had repented. He's not happy of the fact that God changed his mind. He went to Nineveh to preach judgment, not repentance. And God changed his mind and saved them. So he makes this little booth to sit in, and this booth becomes his classroom. Because God's fixing to teach him some very valuable lessons again. If he had not, I don't know what's wrong with Jonah. I don't know if he didn't have enough folders in the morning or what. But he should have known in his mind that God, who spared his life initially, he ought to be thankful for that and thankful that God gave these people another chance too. But he hasn't got it through his thick skull yet. I kind of wonder if his mind isn't like concrete, permanently mixed... And, and, and uh, are thoroughly mixed and permanently set. I, I just wonder if it's like that. So Jonah chooses the classroom. God chooses the curriculum. And he begins to teach Jonah. Verse 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd. And he made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head. I always like when I'm out in the sun, I keep a shadow over my head called a hat. Because I'm fair skin and I burn quickly. But he created it that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd. Let's read on. Verse 7, But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God again said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry? And Jonah said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, For the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. God threw in the livestock. That was the question for Jonah. The problem was... Jonah was angry that things did not go the way he thought they ought to go. And because his will did not line up with God's will, he was angry that God didn't wipe him out. Jonah was exceedingly angry. He went to preach judgment and God did not send judgment. He wanted to see them destroyed. They were the enemy of God. They were the Israelites. They were the the enemy of the Israelites. But God spared the city as they repented. And this is not what Jonah expected. And I've come to preach to you tonight. There will be times in your life where things will come that are not expected. And God is looking to see what kind of reaction you have to those unexpected things in life. And friends, sometimes those things come because of our own disobedience. Sometimes they come because we make wrong choices. And we make wrong decisions. And we take wrong paths. And we go to the wrong side of the tracks, if you will. And sometimes those repercussions of our disobedience bring us back into alignment to where we need to be with God. But sometimes they don't. Because we're too stubborn or too prideful to be able to accept God leading us and coaxing us and staffing us back in with his shepherd staff, if you will. But sometimes there are things that come into our lives that are no fault of ours at all. We have nothing to do with them. That drunkard, that habitual drunkard, that lived next door to my mother and my sister and I when I was five years old, who caught me on the third time that I knocked on his door trying to run away. We call that game up in Canada, ricky-ticky-tavvy. And that drunkard, uh, it was probably my fault that I, I, I shouldn't have been doing that and annoying this man. But when he took me by my feet and swung me, hitting my head and bashing it against the side of his house, brick walls, and ending up in trauma in ICU for three months and another three or four months in rehabilitation, there are things that happen in life. My mom had nothing to do with that, but she had to cope with that. You understand? There's, we live in a sin-sick world. We live in a fallen world. And there's things you can't control. You, some of you can't control where your children are tonight. You have no control where your grandchildren are tonight. Amen. There's things that, that happen that are no fault of our own. I'll never forget August the 23rd, the year 2000. Great friends of mine, and some of you know them, the Carpenter family. John Carpenter and his family had a terrible tragedy hit their home. For it was on a Saturday morning, I believe it was Saturday, when John had gone to work. He was a carpenter by trade. His wife Tiffany went to get the vehicle, brakes changed on the car. And while they were gone, they left their five children in the home under the care of their oldest 14-year-old, a Jessica, to take care of them. Uh, sometime around 9 or 9.30 in the morning, a 27 year old man by the name of Jonathan David Bruce broke into their home. And let me insert this here. If you've never heard David Mann's, he's an evangelist with the Assemblies of God. Do you know Brother David? He preaches fast, talks fast. Brother David told, told us personally that he and this man that broke in and murdered those children were in church together. They got saved together. They were under the same pastor together. Brother David Manns chose the ministry, whereas Jonathan David Bruce, he chose to go back into drugs and into a life of sin. He broke into the house. He murdered the two youngest children, John Jr., seven, and Ashley, the youngest girl, age nine, with a pitchfork. It took years for that family to recover from that awful, awful tragedy. It took years for that church to recover from that tragedy. But now, 23 years later, the Carpenter family, especially John, the dad has had awesome opportunities to share their story with literally tens of thousands of people, not just in America, but around the world, about what God and how God can take a wounded life and bring healing to a broken heart. Oh, it's, it's tremendous, the testimony that God has given him. Brother John, every year, is invited to one of the leading universities in the state of California, the liberal state of California. He is invited to speak at a psychology class every year and share his experience and testimony of the power of God in a secular university in the state of California. Don't tell me that's not God. Did God allow that to happen? I'll leave that up to you to bring speculation to it. But I'm telling you this, there are sometimes things that happen to us that we least expect and we are not prepared for and we wouldn't dream in a hundred years that it would affect our family, but it does. I want to share three points with you tonight. Jonah, what did he do in this angry state? The first point is, don't leave where God puts you. Don't leave where God puts you. Notice what Jonah did. In verse 5, again, it says, He went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth. He sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Oftentimes, in our anger, we leave the place where God puts us. Our anger drives us away into isolation. It drives us away into other areas and other places trying to drown our sorrows with the, what the world has to offer. I've seen folks that have gone through terrible trauma in their families that have resorted back to alcohol. They've gone back to drinking and they've become drunkards because they thought they could somehow all the senses of their sorrow in the, in the booze. I'm here to tell you... Don't leave the place where God puts you. Amen. we I've seen folks as I've pastored over 15 years I've seen folks go through terrible tragedy. Leave the church and, and can't bear to come to the house of God. Listen in your tragedy is where you need to be where God has put you and that is in the church of the living God. If we ever needed help we need help from the church. We need brothers and sisters like we have tonight that step out into the aisle, put their arm around you and fervently pray with you and believe God to help you in your calamities. Oh, Don't leave the church during those difficult times. Don't leave the house of God. Don't leave the fellowship. Don't leave your brothers and sisters. You need them at this very difficult time. In 2002, we had just become the pastors of Wyandotte Tabernacle there in Kansas City, Kansas. And we had a precious family in our church, the Curry family. And some of you may have met them over the years. Wonderful family, six children. We had just come into the pastorate as they had just lost their four year old Cameron. Cameron had been run over by a vehicle in the church parking lot. Not our church. But they were visiting an an older church they had gone to in the past that were having homecoming. And as they were leaving that service, the kids were out in the parking lot playing, throwing a football. That's why as a pastor, I was adamant the children not be running in the parking lot. And Cameron got run over by the pastor's nephew, 16-year-old boy, as he left the church parking lot, drug him to his death. For three months... Brother and sister Curry, uh, to to their, uh, I I honor them for their commitment. They would still come to church, but every service was a service of grief and sorrow. Almost for three months, I never preached a message. Because we'd get into the song service and there would be a chorus or a, a song from the hymn book that we would sing or somebody's testimony that would trigger Sister Curry especially and she'd begin to wail and cry and under the grief and the sorrow that she was feeling over the loss of her little boy and you know what we did as a church? We just, all of us, gathered around the Curry family. We loved on them. We prayed with them. We comforted them. Amen. That's usually how our service went. I hardly took a text for three months. But one Sunday, I finally, on a Sunday morning, was able to get through a, a, a whole sermon without her breaking down. It seemed like, and it was just a short time, but she had taken a grasp on the hope of, That God had placed in her heart, and on that afternoon after the service, I said, "Sister Curry, I know this is maybe too soon, but would you would you think about would you pray about maybe singing for us sometime?" And she said, "Pastor, I think I'm ready to sing. I'll sing tonight if that's all right." I said, "That'd be wonderful." And I'll never forget that Sunday night service when that dear saint of God, that mother with a broken heart, got up to that platform, took that mic, and she sang, had it not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Oh, where would I be? I've come to preach to somebody tonight. If you're going to be angry, be angry at the devil. I remember Sister Ramey, and I hope she don't mind me sharing this, but she testified to me that when her daughter, amen, died of cancer, she was angry at God, and she had to deal with that anger. But thank God, she and her husband, Brother Tony, are here tonight. Amen. And and their and brothers are here. Tonight, I'm telling you do they miss her? Yes does it still hurt? Sure and all of you that have lost somebody dear can relate to that but had it not been for the Lord on my side where would I be? and where would you be tonight? they could have got bitter they could have left and went a thousand different avenues but God Amen You need God's people. You need your church. Because God will use your testimony to help somebody else go through that. I've never lost a daughter. I've never lost a sibling. I can't relate. I've never lost a spouse. I can't relate to you that have. But Jesus can. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities and I believe that deals more just, with just the physical but the, mere, the spiritual and the, the emotional and the mental. He, he went through all of that so he could know exactly what you go through and that you could call on him in your trouble and say, Lord, I need help. I need help. Number two, don't stop what you're doing for God. Jonah sat down. The Bible says he sat down. He stopped doing what he was supposed to be doing. That was preaching. If God was finished with him at Nineveh, he should have went on to another city and preached. If God was done with his work there, he should have hightailed it out of Dodge and got to where he needed to be to work for God. But he sat down. I have seen folks in my pastoral... Years that have got burned out. And I totally understand the burned out phenomena. I understand that. I know what it's like. But the worst thing you can do is stop and do nothing. Now God may reposition you to a different ministry within the body of Christ. But don't stop and not do anything. Because that will be your demise. It's always said the idle mind is a devil's workshop. And when you don't have something to do, the devil will plague your mind, torment your mind, work on you, because you've got all that time to think about what just happened to you. Mm. I'm not minimizing what what you've gone through or what you're going through, but quitting is not an option. Say it with me, quitting is not an option. Number three, don't think God is unfair. Don't think He's unfair. First of all, Jonah didn't think God was fair to spare the Ninevites. And secondly, Jonah didn't think God was fair to destroy the gourd. Double whammy. Listen, when you respond in anger, you have a tendency to lash out towards God and those that are closest to you those that are that love you and you love them they're the brunt of your anger oftentimes they're the recipients of it they're the ones that get it how many times as a pastor did i go home and vent on my wife can you believe what they're doing i'm telling you and and uh, oftentimes anna would say honey just pray it through with her hand on her hip yeah when you respond in anger you'll try to justify your actions this message was born out of a dream i had yesterday morning i've never preached this before i have never preached from jonah three and four ever in my 40 something years of preaching i had a dream yesterday morning i hardly ever remember my dreams does anybody remember your dreams vividly a few of you I hardly ever I mean the first five minutes and then boom it's gone and this one stuck with me so what happened was my wife and I Anna we were at a neighboring church there in Missouri Missouri Missouri, and um, five miles from home my wife gave me the signal we need to go we need to go now And I was engaged in conversation with somebody who was sharing their heart with me, a burden that they were carrying. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens. They were asking me to pray for that situation. I gave Anna the signal, give me two, three minutes, I'll be out there. And in the dream, when I walked out of the church to get into the truck, I saw the taillights going down the road. My wife left me. And in the dream, I became exceedingly angry. And then even more angrier when she would not answer her cell phone to come back and pick me up. In my dream, I got so angry that I started walking down the road. And I started getting angry all the moment I was walking the five miles back home on a two-lane highway that is zigzag like that. And, and uh, hills and hollers. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to get hit by a car, and then she'll really feel sorry that she left me high and dry. This is in my dream. What did we eat the night before? We didn't even go to Starbucks. That's usually when I have bad dreams. And, and, and then I thought, boy, she'll really feel bad. If I don't die and just end up an invalid the rest of my life, and she'll have to take care of me. Because if I die, I'm worth a whole lot more dead than I am alive. Life insurance. I am not going to give her the benefit of getting life. This is all going on in my dream. I'm justifying my anger. I am mad. She left me. It is embarrassing. Shame on her. Look at all the people going by. They're not even offering me a ride. And and, and there's Brother Dave. Wonder what he's walking for. Probably a weight loss program. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. No, can't you see by my face? I am angry. I'm angry. And this all happened in my dream. And then I thought... Yeah, after all I've done for her. After all the years I've provided for her. After all the things I've given her. After, I, I mean, my wife has not had to hold down a full-time job since we've been married. Except for maybe three or four years in our 35 years. I have provided faithfully for my home. I have, I have provided everything she needs and wants. Bath and body. I mean, I've I've gone over and above. I buy her roses more than once a year. Twice. Mother's Day and Valentine's. And all this in my dream was going through my head. Boy, is she going to get it when I get home. And then I woke up. And it was so real. And that hatred that I had towards my wife, that anger, as I laid in the bed in the evangelist quarters. We need to put some bottle of oil in there and just clean that out before I, after I leave. All them spirits in there. But I laid there thinking, I'm going to call her and tell her she better ever, never, ever do that to me. Leave me like that. I know that's a little humorous, but I was madder than I had her. I was upset. Then I realized... What are you doing? It was a dream. It wasn't reality. Put your phone down. Don't call her. You'll wake her up and she'll be madder than I had her. <laughs> it was a tr- and then I realized this is nothing but the devil. And I started rebuking. You don't have to clean it out. I already sent them. I already sent them hightailing back to China or wherever they came from. I'm telling you, I knew that it was the enemy that was trying to trip me up, mess with my mind, try to get me to that point where I couldn't function. I mean, I, you know, I would have been mad all day. I'd have probably chewed Brother Jesse out, you know. I mean, I might even chewed the pastor out. I was mad. But it was the devil. It was the enemy. And that has, that's, the, that's the origin of how this message was born that I'm preaching to you tonight. I felt justified in being angry. I felt it. I didn't know the rest of my dream was this. When I got home and I got ready to chew her out, I did not know she had been in intense agony and pain and needed to get home. She did not communicate to me that she was about to pass out. She did not communicate to me that she was having physical complications. And I was ready to absolutely chew her hideout until I got the full picture. You see, Jonah could not see the bigger picture. In my dream, I was ready to leave her. I have a fifth wheel. I got a home on wheels. I'll just hook up my trailer, bless God, and I'll just hit the road. And she can just take care of herself. I mean, you know what? I can cook. I can go to McDonald's. I can find a Frisch's somewhere, big boy. You know, I, I, And all this that I didn't know the big picture. Jonah was angry because he could not see the big picture. He could not see the great love of God. He could not see the mercy of God. He could not see the compassion of God. He could not see the future that God had for these people. You see, this generation got saved. That means a good indication would be probably all of their children and their children and their children. And I don't know history about Nineveh. I know they probably turned back to idols and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But for a while, they had revival in their city. Jonah could not see that. He was bound by his anger. Let me tell you, there is no peace in anger. There is no peace in anger. There is no productivity in anger. Anger doesn't accomplish anything. Now, have, don't raise your hand, all right? Have any of you couples ever had a spat? We had a knockdown drag out. Don't raise your hand. Don't poke each other. I see some of you moving. There's no productivity in that. Did you ever solve an argument by being angry? (laughs) I'm meddling now. And there's no freedom in anger. Let me close with this. Sister Jones, would you care to have a song ready for us, please? Brother Don Tabor, he's an evangelist out of our home church. Some of you know him. Brother Don Tabor's mom had a parakeet. And... She would every week clean out the parakeet's cage. You know what a parakeet is, right? I had to look it up. So it's a bird. And she cleaned out the cage every week. And she'd open the door and she'd say, go ahead and fly. You're free. And it would fly out, head to the closest window and smash into the window and get its bearings and flutter back, get caught in the curtains and just fly all over the place, she'd clean the the cage, and then she'd catch the parakeet and put it back in the cage. She did it every week for weeks and years. One day, somebody in the home left the window open. And when she let little parakeet fly for freedom, little parakeet flew free. And when she looked out the window, the parakeet was perched in a tree singing at the top of its lungs. And if we could have heard it in bird language, he'd have been singing, I'm free, free at last. Praise God. Once like a bird, it probably sang, in prison I dwelled. No freedom from my sorrow I felt. But somebody opened the window and out I flew. <laughs> I'm about to make up some verses for that great song free free Free. (laughs) dost thou well to be angry you going to carry it home with you you going to buckle it in the seat with you this is where I'm going to give Andrew the workout I told him I'd be still the whole night (laughs) what are you going to do what are you going to do with your anger Many of you have overcome it. You have, you, you've, you've done well. God has helped you to get to where you are today. But I think there's somebody here that God laid on my heart at 6 o'clock yesterday morning when God said to me, dost thou well to be angry? David, you put your name in there tonight. Dost thou well to be angry? over the things that have happened to your life I got the short end of the stick it's not fair how many has ever said that if you have a sibling you said it that's not fair Mm-hmm. so tonight there's freedom from your anger Jonah what kind of guy would write a book and not even have a sequel to it. We don't know what happened. Really. God ends the conversation. You have a pen tonight to write the next chapter. Because I wouldn't have been preaching tonight had I kept that anger from my dream. I tell you what I would have done. Timmy, I would have got in my truck yesterday and I'd have headed home and I'd have thumped my wife right on her nose. Don't you ever do that to me. By the way, don't ever leave him, all right? <laughs> you got a cell phone, make sure it's on. Uh, so, what are you gonna do with your anger? If you're watching live stream tonight, what are you gonna do with your anger? You're just going to live with it? Suppress it? I, I've dealt with people that, you know, they do a pretty good job at suppressing it, but when you press the trigger, watch out. I mean, it's like an explosion. So what's your next chapter going to be? Is it going to be another Explosion? Another, God giving you another chance? God doing something for you again in His mercies? Or are you going to rewrite your life by the grace of God? Because there's living testimonies here tonight of those that have. I I, I don't, I don't want to embarrass you, but if you've ever lost a close family member to death, would you stand tonight, please? Never was good at math but it looks over half 60% to me and you guys didn't leave you didn't quit God yeah. you went back to Bible school you went back to the place God called you you should have been my Jonah example tonight the difference is she has a positive outcome she rewrote her life by the grace of God. Oh, man, I'm feeling the Lord tonight. And if you're dealing with anger, tonight is a good night just to put it at the altar and say, Lord, I've got to have help. I can't, I can't go through life with the triggers. I, c- I can't just keep going through and have these many explosions here and there. Because one of these days, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to lose your top. You're going to go over the top then if you haven't died you'll end up in a jail or prison somewhere for your crimes that you committed because that person just absolutely ticked you off young man in our church got saved in arizona the rest of you stand if you would please i'm giving ready getting ready to give an altar call god was doing amazing things in his life he'd been on drugs got delivered, got set free. It was amazing what God was doing. But he still had a few anger issues. And some, somebody ran over his mother's garbage can that was out for, for the, the garbage truck to pick up. And this young man took his pistol, his 45, and he went out there he, he raced and, and got this man to stop, this young kid, punk, that had purposely run over these trash cans. They were just out having fun. And he pistol whipped this young punk into unconsciousness. 45 stitches later, this young man that had gotten saved in our church was convicted of his crime and sent to prison for nine years for aggravated assault. He backslid in prison. And to this day, he's not saved. You got the pen. Or in this day and age, you got the tablet. What are you going to do with your anger? Let me address husband and wife tonight. I've I've been married 35 years this June. June the 11th. And I asked the pastor how long he'd been married. He had to think about it. So, I don't know, but I know my wedding date. Do you? And I want to ask you, husband, wife, tonight, is there an anger problem in the home? Because there shouldn't be. That should be a place of refuge. That should be a place where you can come away from the world and know that that everything's good at home. I'm not saying that there's perfect homes because we are not perfect people, but we strive to be by by the help and the sanctifying power of God. But if there's anger in the home, there's something buried deep that needs to be addressed and it needs to come out. It needs to be dealt with because that'll pass on to your children and your children's children if you're not taking care of anger in the home. All right, I've had you stand way too long. Let's Let's make an altar tonight. I'm not going to call you out individually who has anger problems and who doesn't because if the truth be known, a lot of us have anger problems. But don't get angry at God, please. Take those three points tonight. Make application of them. Don't be a Jonah. Amen. You write, you write the next chapter. You write the next book. Come on.
1: This might be He'll give you liberty Just call on His name God can deliver you I know His word is true He'll do what He said He'd do He'll break every chain free no matter what the case might be you'll give you liberty just call He'll give you liberty. Just call on his name. God can deliver you. I know his word is true. He'll do what he says. No matter what the case might be, we will give you liberty. Just call.